0: Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 15th of July 2021 Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Have you ever been to a Hong Kong Stories workshop? We're running them again with a limited range of hosts, but until our number restrictions and meeting places are lifted, it's hard to hold many of our more varied free workshops. However, We have for you today a conversation between two of our experienced storytellers going through a workshop process together. In this episode, Neherika and Salmai workshop one of Salmai's stories to get it closer to being ready to tell up on stage. The conversation brings us through how a story is crafted and how to move forward with it to make the telling more satisfying and efficacious. Before we get to today's conversation, though, a huge hello goes out to our wonderful hometown listeners. We love you, Hong Kong, and we are listening. Greetings go out to our overseas listeners as well. This week, especially to listeners in South Queensferry in the UK, Wetaskiwin in Canada, and Boston in the USA. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our next show's coming up on August 5th, and if you were lucky enough to score tickets, then we'll see you there with the fabulous news stories that have come into shape under the careful guidance of Jen. For the rest of you, you'll just need to wait for the podcast to come out. In the meantime, if you'd like information about getting involved, go to the website Hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories: It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Here is a workshop-style conversation between two expert storytellers, Salmai and Niharika.
1: Hi, my name is Salmai, and um, I've been with Hong Kong Stories, I would say, since 2017, so that's right when I arrived here in Hong Kong, and it was... Um, my way to start um, growing roots here in a new city, and I was, um, I think, pretty desperate to be looking to be part of a new community, and um, and storytelling was uh, was my way of starting to rebuild my my social environment in a new um, new
2: environment, new city. I'm Neharika. I've been with Hong Kong Stories since 2018. Um, I joined a workshop with Kristen at the cafe, and I got the bug. So I've been coming back as a storyteller, a host, and now podcasting for the first time. It's uh, very interesting
1: that you mentioned Kristen, because she was the first host that I went to as well, Um, my first time to a Hong Kong Stories um, workshop. So I guess Kristen is the person to draw both of
2: us in. Yay! (laughs) I do remember actually one of our workshops together where you were telling the story from your adventures in Vietnam with the motorbikes and the old man that you had um, very interesting conversations with. Yeah, I remember that. Um,
1: Right. I think that was the first time we met, right? And after that, actually, I, I was pregnant, and so I stopped attending Hong Kong Stories for a while and then um, but I remember that when I started being involved again uh, you were you had become by then one of uh, a very involved um, member of Hong Kong Stories so I was glad to pick things up again with you.
2: Awesome so I know that the story that we are going to be working on today has to do with that period of time in your life right? Right,
1: <laughs> right. Um, Actually, this um, story that I decided uh, I want to work on with you is um, a bit of a challenge for me. That's why I, um, I decided to go outside of my comfort zone um, to talk about um, the beginning of, of motherhood for me. If you've heard my stories before, they tend to be, you know, on the spectrum of drama to comedy, more on the drama side. And so, I wanted to be outside of my comfort zone and touch upon a more light tone um, so and i I look forward to hear what how you can guide me along because this is actually uncomfortable for me now, after a few stories is in my case anyways i I start to develop um uh like yeah a comfort zone a, a way of um of shaping the stories that starts to become you. Yeah, (laughs) right? Uh, Very well said. And and so, yeah, today I want to explore another part of me.
2: So here's a disclaimer. Very much like you, I'm also more on the drama spectrum. So I would give myself probably a 3 on 10 on the comedy (laughs) spectrum. So this is going to be new for both of us. Let's see how far we get in. I guess the process of storytelling is still going to be the same irrespective of what genre of story this is. So we'll be able to flesh something out even if it's not rolling on your floor laughing funny. Wonderful. So why don't you go ahead and tell me what your story is going to be about.
1: So my story focuses on my first week after giving birth. So there were ups and downs during that period of time and that's what I wanted to explore. In this story,
2: in my three years of participating in many Hong Kong Stories workshop, I have distilled down a mantra for myself. Oh, go ahead. I want to let's see if that uh, mantra is something we can use for this workshop. How I approach my stories is with a four-step process. This is an evolving process, but at the moment, this is what I try to hold myself to. So I do dump from memory. Step one. Download everything that I remember about that incident that I want to talk about. Then define the spine. From that memory dump, I try to pick out things from my memories that resonate the most and convey the message that I want to convey. And that's like a one-liner that says, This is exactly what my story is about. That's the spine of my story. Number three is to align to spine. So In our memory dump, we had so many different, different things. There were thoughts, conversations, emotions, circumstances, characters. In aligning that to the spine, there's going to be a lot of conscious decisions. So that's step three. And then step four is polish to shine. So that's just editing. Cut all the unnecessary frills and keep everything that adds to the emotion or the message that you're trying to convey through the story, so that you have full control over the narrative rather than the listeners um, going away with a unfleshed story.
1: That's amazing. Um, I think a lot of this is what I do instinctively, but it's great to have you, you know, just flesh it out in four simple, catchy, Steps, I think I'm going to learn from this. So if, if I follow your four steps, I think where my story is at is between uh, a memory dump and searching for the spine. So I'm not sure yet what the spine is. So, um,
2: let's, figure let, that let's figure that
1: out. Let's figure that out. Thank you.
2: So tell me first, what made you select this topic? Um,
1: I think... I mean, motherhood and birthing is a huge, um, change in, in a woman's life. And storytelling is a lot about change, right? About how we evolve, um, how we adapt, and, um, the, the conflicts and resistance that is created by change and how we grow from that. And I think motherhood is, Uh, a huge catalyst (laughs) for growth because it is such a big change from just one day to the other, right? And uh, a lot of that change, even though your other women in your lives can tell you what their experience was, your experience is really unique, right? And so everything that you live through during that period of time is a learning process all the time. And I think Two years after the birth of my son, it's only now that I can start going back towards that period of time with more distance mm. and more um, with a cooler head. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're also thinking of having uh, another baby soon. So it's like a, a period of reflection of um, seeing what exactly I want to draw from that experience to bring into the next experience.
2: Okay. Okay. Let's dive right into it. I'm sitting on the toilet bowl,
1: and I'm crying because I can't poo. This is the most I've cried in a really long time, and I'm really upset and frustrated because this is not how I had imagined motherhood to be. Um, If you go back a few days, less than a week ago, my son was born, and as he was placed on my chest, I thought he was the most beautiful thing in the world. Uh, versus my husband, who only a year later confessed that he thought to himself, well, this is my son. I'll learn to find him beautiful. So there is a word I think to describe my state then, and it's oxytocin. Oxytocin is the hormone of love and bonding. So in the prenatal classes, they said that usually after childbirth, there's a surge in oxytocin um, so that the mother can immediately bond and love her child. So I think that's how I felt at the time. He was um, all warm against me. First time I feel his warmth. Um, His weight is on me instead of inside of me. And I had completely forgotten the nine hours of labor. I had forgotten the two hours of unsuccessful pushing. And I had forgotten how the doctor had to intervene, not C-section, but, you know, intervention. Um, and I was wheeled into the postnatal ward and I felt like I was floating into it. And so there I was in the postnatal ward now and I was wondering, so what's next? My husband had to leave because in this hospital, there were visiting hours for husbands. And so this was not visiting hours. Um, So I was there with my my little boy. And I remember in my prenatal classes, the only thing they really emphasized about the postnatal period was breastfeeding. And so because I'm pride myself in being an attentive student. As soon as my son started to, you know, open his eyes and sniff around, I put him in position, and I thought, there you go. I put in place all of the conditions so that um, the beginning of my motherhood journey can begin well. But I would soon find out that they don't tell us everything in prenatal classes, especially about the postnatal period. So for new mothers like me, who was here alone in Hong Kong, so I didn't have my mother or my mother-in-law to share with me their experience, I was prone for errors. And my first error was to be lazy. (laughs) So you see, the hospital had given us a list of things to bring to the hospital. And among those things, they said a cup. And so I brought this small cup that was very light that I could easily fit into my bags. But I found out later that I really should have brought a big bottle because um, the only place for you to fill your cup is at the front desk. So that means you have to get out of your bed, and that's uncomfortable. You know, you have all of these pads and uh, just not comfortable. So I decided to ration my water and in my mind at the time it was rational because I had other matters to deal with I was learning how to put a diaper on a baby I was learning how to swaddle a baby and I was also staying awake all night holding my son because as soon as I put him down he'd cry so I was keeping my eyes awake trying not to sleep because I was terrified that if I slept I would drop him to the ground so I just stayed awake all night and sipped my water, just a tiny bit <laughs> at a time. <laughs> After two nights like this, it was time for me to be discharged. And um, the midwife came for the last checkup. And right before I left, she said, oh, did you have a poo yet? "Uh, No. She said, oh, well, make sure you drink lots of water then. And eat lots of fruits and vegetables. You know, dragon fruits. Dragon fruits will really help you. All right. So off I I went, left the hospital, came home. And things start to become difficult. Um, Maybe the oxytocin was starting to wear off. But breastfeeding was starting to become really painful. And so I received, after a few days, the visit of a midwife at home. She gave me you know, tips for breastfeeding, etc. And at the very end, she said, Did you have a poop yet? No. Oh, well, you must be pretty constipated by now. So when you go for a poop, remember to take a menstrual pad and hold it in front onto your stitches. So, that when you push down, the stitches don't open up. And so, suddenly, a poop started to sound a little scary. So, um, in the next two days, I started eating dragon fruit a lot. <laughs> and
2: uh, I also ate butternut squash by bowlful this is the first time I'm hearing about dragon fruit as a constipation solution.
1: Oh, it, it works, but not when you're already severely constipated. <laughs> so um, so after, I think, another day or two, it, it was time for me to go to the hospital again for a checkup. And this time, the midwife was seriously concerned. So it's Wednesday now, and I go to the hospital For um, a regular checkup with a midwife, and she's really concerned, and she tells me, "If you don't have a poo by Friday, you need to go to the emergencies." Right now, this is going on in my mind. Okay, I don't want to go to the emergencies because, again, I'm referring back as a dutiful student to my prenatal class and. You know, in that class, they said you need to feed your baby on demand, right? Or else your milk supply will go down, and you might not be able to continue breastfeeding. And remember how breastfeeding is important because all of all of the antibodies and all of the nutrients, the natural uh, nutrients um, in a mother's breast milk. So basically, you have to feed your baby every hour or two hours if he's sleeping what happens if i go to the emergencies now constipation is clearly not a priority when you walk (laughs) into the emergencies how long am i going to stay here right and and so will my milk supply go down when i come back home to my son but the alternative is to bring my five-day-old baby to the emergency to wait with me, and who knows what he's going to catch there, right? So that, that was my dilemma. So there I was on Thursday, you know, on the toilet bowl, with the specter of, of a poop due date looming over me, and... I was in pain, you know, pain up here with the breastfeeding, pain down there, in front, in the back, and I just couldn't do it. You know, um, all of this weight of the dragon fruit and the squash of these last few days just weighing down, and I could not push it out. I was unable to push my baby out, and now my body seemed to have forgotten how to push. (laughs) And so I just, I I just started to cry. And um, clearly the oxytocin must have dropped by then because I could not care less for the wailing human being in my husband's arms (laughs) at that point. (laughs) And my husband, my poor husband, was standing at the toilet door watching me (laughs) cry with the baby who's also crying, and he must have felt totally helpless. But in the end, he was the one with a rational solution. He said, well, why don't you go visit a private clinic? And so that's what I did. Now that my memories of the private clinic are a bit of a blur. I remember receiving an enema, which means they pump something in so that everything can come out. I remember a mad dash to the toilets. I remember um, the kind receptionist who had to go look for a spare pair of pants so that I could go home decently. Um, But what I do remember clearly walking out of that clinic in uh, an extra-large, man-size short, (laughs) (laughs) was this feeling of being so light. I felt lighter than I've been in the last nine months. And amidst all the chaos of the last few days and all of this novelty, there was this new feeling that was starting to arise. And it was a sweet one. Uh, It was... I miss my son. Now, let's go home to my voice.
2: Oh, I was laughing. So <laughs> good, well done on bringing humor into such an emotional experience. Do you, do you connect with them from the
1: standpoint of someone who hasn't had a baby? Do you think there are things that I should, um, I should clarify?
2: I think that you did a good job of explaining things that a mother would feel from the scientific side of things, explaining what oxytocin and the um, increase in the dose of oxytocin in your body to the feeling of actually holding the weight to your chest rather than in your belly. So I think the way you described your experience helped me empathize with you as a mother and it didn't matter that I haven't gone through the experience myself to feel what you were going through. So I think you've done a really good job there. Um, we do have a lot of uh, details here that we could work with, so that's great. Like there is a lot of content that we can now see um, what we want to keep and what we want to not talk about for the story, right. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> so I, I saw you laughing, and I I saw that as a good sign. But I also had to ask you: Was it, you know, were some of the stuff uncomfortable? As in, you, we should take that out.
2: So this is this is an awkward side effect <laughs> of the process of childbirth, right? <laughs> um, it is going to be a challenge to not make this icky in a. Um, from a listener's perspective. But I think it's not icky right now in its current form either. Um, if we wanted to take it a step further, then we could, we could gloss over some of the details and make it such that if you were talking about constipation at a dinner table conversation, everyone could still stomach their foods. <laughs> <laughs> That's when we know we've, we've accomplished this. Um, but we don't have to go all the way there. I think in its current form, um, it doesn't sound uncomfortable. It does take me back to an example from Hong Kong stories. Um, Lillian had a story about toilets, right? Her experience with toilets in her office. And she did, um, a very good job as well of keeping the humor while taking out the gore associated with the toilets. So I think if we can accomplish something like that, that would then get the laughter coming in without the visualization of what goes on (laughs) inside the toilet, (laughs) right? (laughs) Okay, uh, so first of all, a few clarifying questions. So you started your story with sitting on the toilet, and that was at your home, not at the nursing home. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, that was a good point. And that's uh, day what, day seven?
1: Yeah, so that was the day, the, the Thursday, the day when I had the poop due date the next day. Um, so this is um, actually when I did my um, memory dump. I did it in chronological order. But when I, on my way to here to record this for you. I was reading my notes on, you know, the essentials of storytelling and, um, I came across, um, you know, the desire of the hero must be clear. And I thought, oh, if I just start with being in the hospital ward and the, the, Wonderful feeling of motherhood and oxytocin. We don't get a sense right away of what's at stake here. Mm-hmm. So that's why I decided at the last minute that I would do a glimpse into the Thursday of sitting on that toilet bowl and, and having my first, you know, breakdown of motherhood. Um, so I put that in the beginning so that everyone can know right away that <laughs> what's at stake here is a poo. <laughs> and then after I revert back to when he's he was born and et cetera. So I think, yeah, when I hear your question, um, one thing that I would change if I have to polish this is to say day one, day two, day
2: three. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think to me, the key standout points of these sto- this story are two. Firstly, this is such a unique point of view of motherhood. This is not something... Mothers talk about a lot because there is so much to talk about, right? And everyone has had their own reflections on the process and their own memories of it. This is your unique memory, sitting on the toilet, breaking down, not able to poop. The thing that makes it really funny is that you have a deadline to poo. You have a due date and you have all of this pressure. Like pooing is supposed to be letting go. (laughs) And then you're not able to do that. You're not able to let go. So that's where the humor comes in. So if I were to distill your story into one line, um, I would say something like, an oxytocin-laden new mother navigating different toilets in order to finally let go. Oh, okay. (laughs) But that brings me to the question, what makes you want to tell the story? Yeah, I think, um, and you've touched
1: upon this a bit earlier when you said that this is not something that you hear a lot about motherhood, Um, I think we grow up with a certain idealization of motherhood, um, more in the realm of the feelings, the tenderness, but a birthing experience is very in the flesh. It's very carnal, you know, and, and that's something that I don't think a lot of people talk about, even to, uh, a pregnant woman, um. You know, my my mom isn't going to talk to me about all of that details that what her body went
2: through in details right um, so so you mentioned that your mom and your mother-in-law weren't present while you were going through this experience with yes, you
1: right so I mean my they're, they're not people who censor themselves. You know, hmm. my mother-in-law is a doctor and my mother, um, she, she is open about these things. But going into the details of how your body is after giving birth is not something that you tell a pregnant woman. Hmm. All right? And so, um, I guess that's, something that I wanted to bring to the table, that when when I was going through it, it was a bit of a shock, you know, that um, maybe because, and I, I don't know if it came out in the story or not, but I'm a more um, intellectually oriented person, so in my prenatal classes, I was absorbing all of this information and keeping it in the head, you know, and but how your body navigates it. You don't have control over it once the process starts. And so it's it's um uh it's coming to terms with that. Hmm. And I think that's a a shift of perspective for me. Uh going through those those first, first few days and weeks of motherhood is having to um adapt to this new body that itself was struggling, but having to Go with the flow with it, because the more I resisted or the more I was angry with my body, well, the less it was responding to what it needed to do, <laughs> right, yeah,
2: right. of course, so it sounds like it's um it's about the experience of something you were completely unprepared for because you had taken all the classes for um getting the burps out of the baby, breastfeeding and changing the diaper, but you hadn't anticipated this trouble that your body. Would be facing right, and um, I think part of me telling this story is,
1: you know, if if there are other prospective mothers listening to this, is you will meet challenges that you didn't think about, you did not predict, right, and your body is going to react to it um, in strong ways, but it you will come through, you know, your your body will heal and it knows what it's doing. And if you are surrounded by, you know, um, supportive partner, um, yeah, good support around you, you'll get through it. But in that moment, it felt like, it it felt like if this were here forever, I, I, this, this is a nightmare. But, you know,
2: things, things pass. How would you describe your journey from that moment where you were sitting on the toilet and um overwhelmed with all of this emotion to the moment where you wanted to just go back to your son, that is a very good question, and
1: actually, this is something that i I asked myself while I was telling the story you know if we are if storytelling is a lot about change, what exactly is the change that was operating in me right, mm. and that is something I hadn't answered yet, so Good uh, good point there. Um, I would say a sort of surrendering. That um, before that, I was trying to control the situation. And I was trying to control, you know, if I eat dragon fruit and I drink water, as the doctors and midwives say, <laughs> I will be able to poo, but I am not pooing, therefore I'm frustrated, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and I guess... You know, once you decide that you need you need to seek help, and uh, you know, receiving an enema, and that is just again surrendering to the whole process. It sort of liberated something in. Okay, well, I just I have to go with the flow, and look, this is what happens when I go with the flow. It didn't happen exactly like. I would have wanted it to happen, which Mm -hmm. is me managing to do a poo independently on my own. (laughs) I needed help. But you know what? You just go with it and, 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 and it will pass. So I think, yeah, I think the word there is surrendering. And there's a lot about motherhood. I mean, this is just the beginning, but the whole, you know, the last two years has been a whole lesson on surrendering and... And accepting what um, this new little human being brings to your life—that
2: is wonderful. I think I need a lesson on that without having a kid. <laughs> 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 so your your story, I think, will be empowering to even those who are not uh, mothers or aspiring mothers to realize that we can lean on our support system for things that we need to get done or do and don't want to think about. So having had this discussion now, what would you say is the spine of your story? I think we just said it. I think
1: it's the process of surrendering that comes with motherhood Um, and how I, I was prepped up in the mind for motherhood. But this... The, the, the birthing process and the week later, with the resistance of my body, brought me to the realization that there were, are other forces at play. And it is when you surrender to those forces that you can enjoy the new, the novelty, and
2: this, this leg of the journey. It's shaping up. So now that we have the spine of the story clear. It's just going to be about taking that memory dump, aligning. Dump sounds like a perfect word to use (laughs) in this this context. (laughs) So we take the memory dump, align it to the spine, which you have very clearly defined as the process of surrendering for a new mother. And then we'll do the flushing of the dump, (laughs) (laughs) so to speak. Okay, so let's start. I think all your story needs is a little bit of structure. You have the content all in there. So when when we talked about your journey from a completely independent, process-oriented, educated, logical mother to an individual who needs help, not just help in um, raising a baby, but also help in taking care of herself, so what we have to do is to take bits and pieces from your memories that best describe that journey for you. Nice. Okay. So
1: um, first thing that comes to mind, now I'm not doing this in any particular order, okay? Um, but when you say, you know, going towards needing help, you know, taking care of herself, I think that was, um, that's pretty point on. But then do you think I should have my husband more involved? is his presence sh- should it be more present
2: yeah i think he is an important character in this story okay especially that scene where which you had built in your story saying that you are inside the toilet sitting crying overwhelmed with all of these thoughts about what you're body is going through and not able to do while your husband is carrying your baby and standing outside the toilet just being the voice of encouragement. And he also doesn't know what to do, but he's just there standing. So that imagery that you had created was um, quite relatable, not in the sense that I lock myself up in the toilet very often (laughs) for different reasons, but um, I think just showing that you had the support even though you were going through a tough time and you didn't have the solutions. And at that specific instance, your husband didn't have a solution to how to make you immediately poop either, but he was there. Right, okay. And then you also mentioned that your husband was the one who suggested that you go to a private clinic where um, they then finally gave you the enema that led to my liberation <laughs> led, to, led to your liberation yeah so he's also the um trigger for change right in that sense right so, so i
1: need to weave him in a bit more at the beginning
2: another point that i remember you mentioned about how your husband's connection with your baby is less emotional uh, more maybe more practical or Just like he doesn't have the oxytocin. Right. So he's not going through the same emotions that you are going through. So he's looking at it purely as an observer. So also weaving that in how his journey is very different from yours. And that is why he's able to support you through your journey.
1: Okay, great. When you work on your stories, when you start structuring when you're in the phase where you have your spine and now you structure, how do you do it?
2: So how I would do it is chronologically. Okay. Like I would start with, oh, I was feeling overwhelmed. Why was I feeling overwhelmed? In what instances was I feeling overwhelmed? So I would talk about when I was in the hospital, it was all about getting the basics done, going to the going to the main counter, getting water, uh, sipping my water as I hold my baby clothes, And then somebody, until somebody pointed out that I haven't pooped. And I was like, yeah, I haven't pooped. That's true. Does it matter? Maybe not. And then I go home and the, was it midwife who came in and asked the same question? And I was like, why suddenly everyone's so interested in my digestive system? Um, And then you realize, yeah, actually, it's been four days now and I still haven't pooped. Yet you're not really thinking about it, because you're thinking that everything I'm doing to release the motion, like eating dragon fruit or um, squash nut or whatever, will take care of it. All I have to do is take care of my baby. Hmm. And then come to day six and then come to day seven. And what are those instances that are bringing you back to the fact that, oh, I haven't pooped. Like you said, that there was a deadline, like a third person came in and said, you you got to have you gotta poop by Friday, and then who says that? <laughs> it's such a unique experience. <laughs> so, I think that journey of you firstly discovering that oh, this is this is an important thing that I haven't done in a while. Oh, this is a lot more important than I thought it was. Right. Oh, I have to do it by a certain date, and then realizing that I am at the deadline now and I haven't done it, and. I now finally realize why this is so difficult for me. So I think it would be quite difficult to do this live. So I wouldn't expect you to be able to, <laughs> to be able to, you know, oh, tell me, oh, this is my structure, and now I'm going to read out a fully fleshed story. That's not, that's not um, realistic. No, but I think what was very helpful is um,
1: that you are able to put it into um, my perspective. So, I can go back later and understand
2: what what the evolution that you are suggesting is, so thank you for that and then, once you have your structure ready, then you can play around with the timeline, and then you know how you started the story, you were sitting on the toilet because you said you've got to build the stakes up, right, which is a very, very good point. You could go back and experiment with that once you know exactly what your Evolution, as you said, was right. and then um, as you take bits and rearrange them, uh, keep true to your to your spine, spine, mm. and also keep true to your emotions at that point in time. Okay, when you if you're starting off in the if you're starting off on day six, then you're completely overwhelmed, so you have to convey that emotion through your tone, like right, talking right. about. You um, even in the ho- uh, you were talking about should I go to the hospital emergency room? But how can I leave my baby for five hours? I mean, this is clearly not an emergency. They're going to make me wait for days. Um, who's going to take care of my baby? But if I go back, then will I be able to breastfeed? So all of these thoughts that are running through your head. Right, right. You can you can convey them with the with the sense of uh, urgency and overwhelm that um, it's happening. Got it. Yeah, that's. Uh... Very good in terms of, um, delivery. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you go back to the hospital and describe how it all started. And there's a contrast. Then there's a contrast. And then you can sound more process oriented. It's like, oh, this is my checklist. I have everything I need. (laughs) (laughs) So now in terms of humor, um, I think you're, I, I think you're pretty good. Like the, just the fact that you talk about pooping with a deadline. <laughs> I think that itself is so funny as a concept. There is, there is a lot you can do with it just by describing your state of being. To get your point across and to get the conflict in your mind across, it's very important to align the delivery right. to your emotions, sure. what you're feeling. Okay, excellent. So Thank you so much for sharing that story. And thank you for your excellent guidance as well. I think I have learned so much just by listening to your experience because I definitely need to be reminded to let go and to rely on my loved ones. Thank you. And I think um, this experience for me with you has been
1: really fun because I've never actually gone to a workshop where you've been hosting so is that so yeah really so this is the first time that I get um, I I get um, to be exposed to your wisdom and storytelling because we're all different right we're all different in terms of um, the kind of storytellers we are and how we guide others along uh, in their own storytelling process so out of curiosity
2: what's the importance of storytelling for you
1: so storytelling, especially when it is in the first person, right? And it's your own experience that you're sharing to, to the world or to another person uh, sitting right in front of you, no matter the context. I think there's a sense of empowerment that comes with those types of stories because, well, you get to be the hero, right? <laughs> you are a hero of your
2: story, and we sometimes forget that. Love that you get to control your own narrative, and sometimes we forget that we have the power to do that. So, I am just going to summarize the process that we went through to discover your story today, um, the process that is evolving for me, <laughs> but at the moment this is this is how I approach it. Take a dump from memory, define the spine, align the bits that are relevant to the spine and then polish to shine, which essentially means edit, 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 (laughs) be merciless in your editing. That's the stage that we didn't get to today, but, um, you're very capable of doing that. You're an author. Thank you. And, And how about you? What does, um, what does storytelling mean for you? When I started with Hong Kong stories, I think I used it as a tool for reflection going back to who I was and what I was feeling um, at the time that I was having that experience helped me have a different view of that experience. Sometimes I was overwhelmed, sometimes I was naive about things, sometimes, you know, um, I was just excited. And going back to that moment and feeling those emotions again uh, made me learn something about myself. And as you said, like true first-person storytelling, which we um, have been practicing through this group, has been very empowering indeed. So I also agree that storytelling is a very, very empowering tool. That's why I'm so passionate about it. Well, it's been great talking to you, Samai, today. Thank you so much for sharing this uniquely used story <laughs> that gives us all a very new perspective into some of the awkward bits of motherhood that are so important to mothers as individuals. And thank you, Niharika,
1: for receiving it um, and listening to it deeply and um, providing me with uh, so much good insight into storytelling. So um Hopefully, after this, I will be able to rework
2: it and and share it again with you. I hope to hear the story. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's stories. Brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for today's podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.